A singer in a smoky room, smell of wine and cheap perfume. For a moment we could spend the night. It goes on and on oh, and, and on and on. <laughs> so that's what I love it. I love it. That was amazing. Thank you very much, Agnes. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. you very much. And okay. then I don't cry at weddings. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off to the races. We are at the Next Gen booth at the Building Show, and we're at the booth uh, 7628. Right. And we are talking to Agnes. Live. Hi. Live. Hi. Live. And we are going to talk a lot about next gen professional we got a little bit of it when we did the other podcast at informa where we yes. first met you and we were blown away by what you had to say and now we want to get the whole story we want to get okay. the bigger yeah, no, story the bigger picture so welcome thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and i'm sure carlito's gonna have a thousand questions oh, to ask i feel like you were writing down a lot last time so i was, I was going to prepare myself for the it the thing yeah. is i'm wearing my contacts so i can't see <laughs> oh, Close I don't up. have my glasses on either. Don't worry. So no, I can good. see you, but I can't see paper <laughs> right now. Am I the now. only one that can see, I guess? Yeah. I'm getting laser <laughs> yeah, yeah. surgery soon. I can't see. <laughs> All right. Where did Next Gen begin? So why? When? Why? Yeah, why and when? I come from construction management, which I think I had mentioned. I come from a construction family. Uh, my father was a general contractor. So I grew up with tradesmen in and out of the house. Um, you know, my, my brother is an engineer, full on in the family. When I was doing uh, CM work for a design firm, I was working on a ton of projects at that time. I think I was like 22, 23, and I was burning out because that is just a, a lot of pressure on my plate. I didn't have any mentorship. I didn't have any guidance, no support. I was given an offer from another firm that was uh, a very good offer at the time. And I said, you know what, like maybe this is something I should do. However, the individual who was headhunting me turned around and said, you know what, I'm actually the director of this company. I think you should come work for me. I'm gonna give you an offer on top of this offer. Can you consider it? And so I went to a couple of interviews and I don't think they thought I was gonna take the job. But I was so burnt out that I was just willing to leap into something else and, and just try. So I got into recruitment, specifically construction recruitment. I started what they call a desk of recruitment in Toronto. Uh, it was for a global company. I think my eyes were really opened to, at the time, the shortages, but I just didn't know it. Part of what I experienced in recruitment made my stomach just turn. You were treating people and their families like capital like kpis we had to hit numbers it was sales driven and i'm sitting there going that's my dad that's that's my brother that's because i grew up with these people and so i think i left about two years into gaining some really great experience from from an international firm i left and i said i can do this on my own and I had a really great following of individuals who, who trusted me in that space. And so my business grew and that's AMC Services. It's still around today. That was about four or five years ago. Um, my husband who's here today, Mike Watkinson, did an incredible job of supporting me as an entrepreneur in the space. In construction, you know, with all the shortages that were happening, we started to see this depletion of our candidates. And, and it was starting to affect our business. As much as a recruiter as I can, you know, take an individual from a firm and move them into another firm, someone else is gonna do it right back to, to my client, you know? Someone else is gonna poach right from my client. So it wasn't sustainable. And, and I had these amazing relationships. I mean, one of my clients just walked by and we have these incredible relationships. We play golf together, we hang out. And, and that was 
what I grew up with in construction was that networking component, that relationship component. So next gen, and I know this is a really long way to get here, it was our way to give back. So we sat there and said these shortages, it's not that nobody's fixing it, it's just there doesn't seem to be a pivotal point or a breaking point where somebody can access and say, I need these resources. They just don't know where to go. So we said, how do we become that resource? So NextGen right now is fully funded by my company, AMC Services. I, I've been blessed and knock on wood to do quite well from the construction industry. This is our way to give back. You know, as we continue to grow, I, I might not be able to fund this any further, but you know, that's some of the resources that we're reaching out for. But NextGen is an altruistic way of getting the space reinvigorated, getting it repopulated, getting it trained, properly and then scaling it across Canada. I don't necessarily think this is Toronto specific. Oh, that's one of my candidates right there. <laughs> <laughs> She's waving at somebody at the show. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't think it's can it, it's it's Toronto specific. This is a problem we're seeing across the board. We're going to take a bite out of this elephant and one bite at a time we're going to get it down to the nubs. That's how we see it. I feel the problem is that we're just a number as an employee or someone in hiring us. Yeah. I always felt like people treat people just as a number. There's no name, there's no growth, there's no sharing. Um, I think that people aren't going to get involved if they're treated like a number. Right, So right. when you're being hired, are you being hired because of your skills or just because they need numbers? That's, that's a really great point and we just talked about that uh, downstairs at the Retirement Bubble Seminar. We can attract all the talent we want, great. Good job. You got the numbers in. If you can't keep them in the industry, then there's no reason. Then there's, we're we're just spending that resource when we could be coming up with phenomenal strategies to keep people engaged in the industry, challenged. Succession planning is a huge part of that. Uh, there's other parts as well. No, I 100% agree with you. We need to make people uh, feel like they are contributing to the industry. Construction. I mean, think about it at its fundamental basis. If you are in this industry, you are building shelter, you are building food depots, you are building like future. You are building, You're building the future. city. You are building the city. So at a fundamental level, we are the community. So why aren't we treating the people who are building it the same way, right? Where is the resistance? I know that we talked about briefly uh, off mic there, we were talking about the drop off rate. Yeah. Because you've got an, I've said this before on the other one, on the other podcast, that you got an uphill battle when it comes to yes. the political side of things, how to change this industry, how to get more people in. What are you guys doing to actually maintain, keep those kids, keep those guys in there, and yeah. keep them going through the process so then they actually keep that job? Because, like you said before, you saw the same resume come through, come through, over come every and over six, again, what yeah. was it, six months, nine months or something? It, I mean, it, we just had it happen to us where somebody I placed about six months ago with one of my, my better, you know, not better clients, but they've been my client for six years now. Somebody who I think has been in the organization for four or five months, they got an offer for X amount of dollars more. That's good. And that means they're going to leave because that's how the industry is playing games right now or, or playing and practicing right now. So I think when you're talking about resistance in the space, we're talking about changing the mentality of how we are practicing our recruitment effort. It's such an, you have to unpack it because on the recruitment side, 
we will get, and I think we, we talked about this, I will get a mandate from one of my, my firms, one of my clients to say, okay, I need two senior PMs, I need one senior site super, I need maybe about three intermediates, oh, but make sure they at least have 10 years experience. You know, da, 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 da. not at all will I ever get a junior, and I'm not saying not at all, I do talk in absolutes, um, but you know, I'll get this like, oh, maybe we'll talk about juniors, but I really need to put out the fires today. How reasonable the is that? That's not reasonable. It's not reasonable at all because that candidate pool that we're all drawing from, that's not the only resource we have to create. That's not the only resource we have, period. So we're talking about creating a larger pool of individuals. Well, we have the bodies. Canada has 37 million people. You know, and I think I gave you that article that we're writing for SEAC. Yeah. Like, we physically have bodies. They need to be trained. But if industry is not willing to hire and train those individuals, you're back to the same practices. So it is our resistance that we come across is honestly changing the mindset of hiring managers to start thinking beyond the fire that they're seeing today and start thinking about five years down the line, 10 years, 15. And part of that is we have to look past individuals who can't get on that train because we have to grow. And so we look at individuals who are leaders in their space, who they're looking at this problem going, oh God, I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, I'm in it. I'm in it for another 15 to 20 to 25 years. What the hell am I going to do? And yeah. those are the people we're targeting. In all fairness, isn't the construction industry notorious for being this slow moving elephant dinosaur, just Absolutely. monolithic bullshit yeah. kind of machine they're notorious for it you see a lot of that stigma around it yeah but i have spoken with some individuals not only at the show i forget the company they came from but it was two older gentlemen and they run this organization that does interior fit outs in the guelph area and we had this amazing conversation about juniors in the space and, and you know what's lacking what's not lacking and so i had said well the old guard need to figure out how to work with the new generation. And, yep. and they're like, yeah, absolutely. Mind you, these guys are ready for retirement. And so I kind of threw the ball back to them and said, well, what are you doing? You know, like you guys look like you're about to retire. No offense, but you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and so they started to laugh and they go, you know what? We just had a human resources culture person come into our organization. She or he has been working with us for a couple of months. They are training us on new initiatives and new mindset and they're like we're kind of getting it and it was just so refreshing to see somebody in that age bracket like understand off. we were all laughing but they're like yeah we get it we get that we need to start working with the younger generation we need to start implementing new strategies i'm like oh my god this is so exciting as an employer and as an employee i really believe that we should address people as customers if we're getting an employee, we shouldn't think of them as an employee, we should think of them as a customer. And finding them a job or putting them in a position should be, how do I make my customer happy? How do right. I make their wishes come true? If I put someone in a position of something they don't want to do, they're never going to be good at it. Yeah. They're never going to do well. If they change the attitude, someone comes in off the street and they want a job. Right away we're judging them that, oh, they don't have a job, what are they good at? Uh, you know, I got garbage work over here, or you know, this guy just needs a filler. That's not fixing the problem, that's a Band-Aid. Yeah. So I think that if we take a person and we get to understand them and really respect them as a human, 
and then make their dreams come true. This is about making people's dreams come true. A job shouldn't be a job, it should be a dream come true. Yeah. So if you treat a person as a human and you treat them with respect and you give them what they've been wishing for, like, you know, I hate when people say to me, I'm capable of doing anything, I'm undereducated. And the first thing is, you know, people, I fool them. I make them believe that I'm a smart guy, I have common sense, I can fit in anywhere, and they like that. They're attracted to me in some way, and they allow me to get away with things, and they put me in positions because they feel that I'm capable of doing it. Little do they know, I have no education. Right. All I have is drive, well, and I understand the animal. When someone you, I was treats, just going to say, you don't have any formal education. Formal education. Experience yeah. in, in formal I have a school education. of yeah. hard knocks. Yes. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur, so that's put me in a different kind of education. School, to me, is very important, but it only places you, for the average person, into a position. When you're different, eccentric, you have a different goal or a different drive or a different message or a, a different vision of life, you have a different attitude. I think reinventing someone coming off the street and treating them as a customer instead of, you know, they're sitting across from you and you're interrogating them. What are you capable of doing? What's your education? You can't do that. Well, they're you already painting a picture. Why? So they're, they're already forming an opinion yeah. about you. Yeah. We've yeah. never yeah. given them an opportunity. Right. Yeah. So right. they're going to fail. We've already designed them to fail. That's so funny because I know uh, Mike and Craig from our leadership team talk a lot about biases. And so how you, when you form a bias, you then actually nitpick the conversation to confirm that bias. You and I are having a conversation. I've decided I like you as a person. You're a safe person. We're going to continue having this conversation. I'm only picking out the things that I like in this conversation because that is the way my brain's going to filter this. Should I have decided the other way? I'm only going to pick out pieces of the conversation that I dislike to reinforce that bias. And that's what people do at interviews 100%. And, and that's what we're going back to changing people's mentalities and making them self-aware that they have these biases. Just talking about, you know, dream careers and dream jobs. Akon downstairs, again, at the Donna, who was the project manager for Akon, she works on these like multi-million billion dollar projects. Like there's huge infrastructure projects. Akon does this wonderful thing where they take a, a new person who's entered into their workforce and they move them around. So you get the option to play estimator, you get the option to play project manager, Love it. site clerk. At the end of the day, when you've done like 10 different roles in the course of you know two years at this company, you can sit there and say, look, my favorite time was when I was on the tools. I wanna to stay on the tools. Or my, my favorite time is when I was sitting in front of a computer and no one was talking to me and I just pumped out estimates because I love that side of things. Whatever the case was, they almost like put you through a filter so you can filter your own wishes and wants within the organization. And I, I know not every organization can do that and I completely understand that, but those type of forward thinking strategies and initiatives, you don't think that person's gonna stay there for a long time. Acon has a great retention rate. Mm -hmm. I think Qit does it as well. I'm pretty sure Qit moves people as well because in the event that it's strategic for them, not only on the retention part, but in the in the event that something goes down, like there's a shortage in site supers. Yeah, well, we got like a couple of guys who are trained in that. So let's get them out there as assistant site supers. And now their training rate and their, you can expedite them into that role faster. If you wanted to stay in an organization, what most of our employers say is culture fit seems to be the biggest part. Really? 
Yeah, so technical skills is what they want up front, but even if you had those technical skills and you don't get along with the team, you're not going to go along with the most team. Most of my clients would rather you leave. <laughs> so what are some of the things that these employees are doing that are not fitting or they're just they're not team players? Is that the uh, a lot of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If uh, you if you have that lone wolf mentality, I can do it all. Uh, the blame game. Don't pointing fingers. Don't do that. You're a PM. That's your job. You know, own it. <laughs> there could be other people that are making mistakes on your job, and, and that's Everyone very valid. Everyone does. Absolutely. But don't deflect. That's your responsibility, right? Um, You're so also as, only as good as your leader. Absolutely. So you lead by example. Like, I've hired guys that can't hold a job. They won't, long, they won't work long hours. They won't get up early. And then people say, wow, you guys are working like 12, 14 hours a day and your guys are happy. It's because I'm working beside them, with them. Yeah. I treat them as part of the company. I find that when you make them the same level as you, give them respect, Absolutely. you yep. keep somebody that wants to work long hours, doesn't want to go home, wants to come to work the next day. You know, there's a way of treating a human. You know, we're not treating each other like humans anymore. We've lost that ability to, to communi communicate, respectfully talk to each other, is just screaming and yelling, and like you said, pointing fingers. Doesn't that go yeah. back to the stigma of the construction industry, where we are just yeah. Neanderthals, just it, like caveman yeah. mentality? Yeah, and it, it does come back to that, and you know, th that's a part of the conversation as well. Like, if you're trying to attract new talent, and especially the millennial conversation, millennials don't respond well to that. So you can't expect to not only not attract them, but if you're trying to retain them, and the communication style is such that they are not participating in that or they don't want to participate in that, you're going to lose them. Even the way that the industry is right now, you know, it, it's funny because if somebody has construction experience, you're not treating them well, they're just going to go next door and try that one out. And yeah. so it's a really bad business model to treat your people disrespectfully or having that, that miscommunication. Like investing in that will give you an amazing ROI because you keep the person in house. So we're, we're coming back to that whole, you know, ROI and investing in your people and mentoring and training, but leadership and, and communication go hand in hand, I think. I think education has changed so much. Like when I went to school, I may not have been a, you know, a top student, but the way I was taught, there was, I felt like I was, you know, going to school, my mother was watching me or my father. I was taught never to give up. Right. I just don't walk away from things. This new generation walks away from things. This is a combination of problems. It's the employee and the employer. It's so easy to walk away from something you don't like anymore, not challenge yourself and become better. And even if that's something you don't want to do, you know, why can't you prove to somebody that you can do that and be better, even if you don't want to stay? You'd be happy, Agnes, you'd be happy to hear this that I just recently found out, that there is a potential increase in 20-somethings jumping into trades. That's awesome. Right, I'm Great. trying to find the actual article on that. Yeah, and, yeah. and the reason being is because the 20-somethings of today are actually really tired of those IT positions right. that were so glamorous, I guess, five, 10 years ago. Right. And how they've come, you know, those cool, you know, Google environments kind of thing where like, you know, hip, all that kind of stuff. But now what we're learning is that they have no soul, no passion, no interest in the position that they're in, regardless if they're making the money that's right. attached to it, but they have no fulfillment. And they know, it's really funny how that that particular age group look towards the trades for right. fulfillment because we know, and Carlito and I and every other contractor we know, 
we have that satisfaction at the end of the workday of what we've accomplished because we've seen what we've accomplished. So, you know, we're talking about compounding issues again when it comes to younger individuals. And I think to your point, you have younger individuals maybe getting more interested and involved with trades. And, and I would argue because one, technology is getting more incorporated into construction. So there's a draw there. I understand, I am comfortable with technology. It is now in construction, that's cool. I'm gonna go over there and check it out, right? And then they see how much money it is and like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, the second part too is uh, lifestyle. You look at people and the statistics, I don't have them, but you look at the statistics around lifestyle and the draw that particular careers have. And our generation, I say that because I am a millennial, our generation values and would take pay cuts if it meant we didn't have as long working hours meant that we didn't have as long of a commute, meant that we felt respected and fulfilled. We pride ourselves on being more holistic, I would say, on that side versus driven by financial means. And, and, and everyone wants money and we understand that everyone wants money, but there's so much more to life to make a fulfilling and happy life. Traits think about it you're not you're, again coming back to the foundations what are you actually doing you're building something you're building a community you get to see your product at the end of the day that you've built with your hands and then you get to go home and it doesn't follow you right for how many some people for some people how many people do we know that are in it or finance or something and you know their phone is ringing off the hook at 7 p.m when they're trying to chill it with their kids they didn't leave their office they actually they, just they went to home. their other office and that still happens in construction and i'm not saying it doesn't there is a big space within construction on the trade side you know specifically you don't take the building home with you right no. it's it's done right so i think that is a draw i i would personally think that's a draw because there's times where i'm like oh god like you, you mean i gotta write an email this time of night or whatever the case is and no, I just want to. I want to turn it off. And that's a really good option to turn it off. I really still believe that people are tippy-toeing around the new generation. You know, they don't want to hurt them. They don't want to say the wrong thing to them. Their feelings. They're very sensitive. <laughs> you know. You know, really? they can walk away from anything they want. Right. I wasn't brought up that way. I'm a farmer, and me and Manny have talked about this before. I found that farmers are the best workers. Right. They've been taught to get up at 4.30, work through lunch. Not that it's right, not right. that it's right. It's created a character and it starts with us at an early age, how we've been brought up. You know, people aren't spending time with their children anymore. Teachers are affected. They're not allowed to treat their students a certain way. They're not allowed to punish them. They're not allowed to express how they feel. This is a free country. Why can't we teach them at the, an like, early age? You, you want to beat kids again? Or what's going on here? <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is, like, I never had my teachers tippy-toe around me. No. When I got they in told shit, us the truth. They, I got they in shit. Yeah, yeah. They disciplined. You um, know? And that created a character. And now I'm a hard-working guy. Not that it's right. I'm working 16 no, yeah, hours a day. And there's but. always that mushy middle of, you know, like, oh, what's right, what's not right. And, you know, I don't want to get into this big debate about how we should be treating our children because I have my own opinions as well, even though I don't have children. Oh, I know how to treat kids. <laughs> I, I have a child at home. Yeah. <laughs> I have and no kids, but 25. beat them. That's all I'm going to say. Beat them. All right. We, you know... Part of what we do at NextGen is I go into school, so I go into post-secondary, and I have a very real conversation with them. And part of my presentation to them is, guys, how it is in school, how it is in high school, it's not like that in the real world. 
That's such an eye-opener to them, uh, right? And you know what's so funny? Because their professors are like, I told you. And I'm like, yeah, but you're like their parents. So they're not going to listen to you because they have to listen to you, you know, they're how many times. To. They're forced to because they're there paying for it or whatever. And I go, you know, it's so real when they have, and I'm not saying me, it could be anybody, but it's so real when somebody comes in and says, yeah, like you show up late for work, you're getting fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Happens. Not warned. Yeah, you're not engaging. You're on your cell phone at work. You're doing this. You're doing. You're getting fired, or you're getting written up, and that doesn't feel good. And then you got to find another job, and no one's going to help you. And if they find out that you got fired and you couldn't find a job, it's going to be harder to find a job. So we go into the schools and we try to have that conversation about what really is going to happen when you enter reality. And I call it reality. It's so funny. Post secondaries, we we started to talk to them, and at first we thought we were going to get a lot of resistance. We have not, thankfully, but we thought we were going to get a lot of resistance. Why was and you thinking that you were going to get a lot of resistance? Were because you? for me, I just thought it was going to be a lot of red tape. Um, oh. And I, I can be super combative. You know, if I think I'm right, and, and I'm not saying it's right, but if I think I'm right, I'll go head to head with you, right? So I was getting it ready and I was getting my script ready. And it was going to be this conversation of, you know, like, well, why should we let you in your school? And my comeback was, you're going to have them for four years. I get them for the rest of their life. Yeah, so why yeah. don't you let us in there and why don't you let us have those real conversations that they're going to be engaged in and they're going to be learning from reality and, and, you know, the industry because we're going to have our hands on them for the next 20, 25, 30 years. That was like my comeback. Like, you only get them for four years. We're going to have them It's a good forever. comeback, yeah, actually. It's so. true. Yeah. But they take them for those four years and they those are formidable years. The, like they actually. Absolutely. Yeah. But know. those teachers aren't teaching what they want. They're teaching a script, and a lot of those teachers don't even agree You're with right. that script. You're right. yeah. Some teachers are really great, and we've we've come across those those professors, and they just want to help. They want new technologies. They want new ideas. They're bringing us into the schools for new initiatives. We are trying right now to get into post-secondary institutions to teach leadership seminars. Schools will teach their students all these amazing technical skills, whether or not we can agree they're they're up to par. You know, they are teaching technical skills, apply like application on the job. We're like, communication is 80% of their success. You're teaching them the technical component. Yep. And I, I think it's like, you, you can grab all these statistics and it's fairly common. It's, it's, it's 80, around 75 to 80%. Let us in there, let us have these crash courses on, hey guys, this is how you're gonna have to do conflict resolution. This is how you're gonna have to be aware of how you are treating other people. All those conversations have to be part of the solution long term. I think uh, also when I deal with my relationships, meet people I meet, I never judge them the first time because I don't believe that they're who they really are. It's like a relationship. I meet a girl. I'm married now, but I mean, when I would meet a girl, <laughs> then, I know. would tell them I would tell them who I want to be. Right. I never told them who I was. And that was my downfall in all my relationships prior to that. Right. If I would have told them who I really was, I would have been more successful. And I think that people have this fantasy of what they think they want to do, but it's not really what they want to do right. or who they really are. And I think that if people approached it with honesty, they would find themselves faster. Very, very true. Um, yeah. Also, I learned a lot in martial arts. I kind of share my martial arts with real employment. You How know, is that? Teaching people and I really right now I'm finding that it's really hard to keep a person at work and keeping them happy and fun and also putting a stereotype on people's education 
or what they're capable of doing or what they've done, I think is the wrong attitude. I, I don't know how it is for you, like you get so many jobs given to you, people like right. factory jobs, construction jobs. When someone comes through, do you just throw them at somebody? No, 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 no. So we always do quality over quantity. That has been our model since our inception. And whether or not it works out, it, we are talking about human beings. Like I can sell you this cell phone and it will never, never say no back. I'm negotiating and brokering a deal from two different individuals. So there's so much wiggle room and sway and you think you nailed it and then it falls apart at the last minute. Like until we figure out that, you know, magic point, which I don't think we will, when we're talking about hiring individuals and qualifying and screening them, 100% we are looking for emotional intelligence. We are looking if they're competent in answering our questions. So Robert, who would have been amazing at this part of the questionnaire, I had my way of doing interviews, which was this. We're having a conversation, we're face-to-face. -face. I have a psychology background, so I'm gauging everything from your body language to the way you're answering me back, how comfortable you're getting with now me. Now I just got very uncomfortable. Yeah, no. <laughs> really good at profiling. <laughs> um, so I would just profile you in like 15 minutes. I could figure it out. And, and you know what the best part is? I interview all my clients. So when I interview my clients and I know my hiring managers, I know who's going to work and mesh with them just based. It could be even like 15, 20 minute conversation. I'm like, yeah, not happening or yes, happening. You know, like you're going to love this person. You're not going to love this person. When Robert got on board, he's super processed operating systems. Like he's an engineer. He will go down. And I didn't realize I was missing a huge component, which was also the technical component. I, I mean, I understand project management. I understand construction. I understand being on site. I was a CM. Like I get it but there's so much out there that I don't understand all of it. When Robert came on board, he went around to our clients, he went and he researched the crap out of every job common to what we were getting. And he pulled out every piece of information he could. So we now have these, it's a proprietary tool where when one of our um, researchers or recruiters is calling an individual, they go through a, a different multi-stage process. It's three stages. So the first one is we don't post jobs. I refuse to post a job on LinkedIn or Indeed because I will find you. I don't want 300 resumes. I don't have time. My company doesn't have time to sort through 300 resumes for one person. We just can't do it. So we will specifically go out and get Robert process that where we go out and through his search systems, find the individuals who match what we need. Then what he does is he uses this interviewing tool. The recruiter goes through like, I don't know, it's like 45 minutes of interviewing through this tool where all the questions relevant for that job are populated into this tool and they just go through it. The last phase, so we know if they are yes or no, 80% capable, 75% capable, it grades them at the end of that, technical. And then on the third part, they have to pass through me. So I know if they're 50% technical, I know if they're 80% technical, if they're fit for the job, they still have to go through the profiling that I give them. And that's on the culture and emotional intelligence and if they're gonna fit with my client because I meet all my clients. So by the time I get a, a resume, You've got a short list. I maybe have one or two, and at a one or two, wow, okay. maybe one or two are hired. How about interviewing more than just the client? How about going to their business to find out the atmosphere? Because I do. that's fantastic. I, do. <laughs> because I really believe that there's so much separation at a job site. Yep. You get hired for something, and then when you 
get other people from the office mingling with the laborers. They always think they're better or they're different. Absolutely. Like, so my wife just said to me the other day, she's a big superintendent at a construction site. Love Strong it. female. <laughs> she, you know, I always call her. She knows her, how to deal I with the boys. My, I call her my husband. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's very aggressive, very strong. She doesn't allow anyone to, to, you know, push her around, which I love about her. She says to me all the time, I sit with the laborers. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, everyone I work with, all the head guys, they all sit together. I'm the only one that sits with the laborers. Now, she has the respect of all the laborers. When right. she asks for something, they will literally do anything she wants, anytime. Absolutely. When someone else asks, because they're so far above and beyond, because they've, they've disconnected themselves. Now, they have this job, they've been there for a long time, this habit's you know, formed, they think there's someone special, or they've been there and they have authority, or right. they have time on the job. They forgot how to connect with people or work with people. So funny, yeah. I find that through my wife's, you know, she comes home, she unwinds, I come home and I unwind. Typically, I'm, I'm excited and happy to share my, my thoughts, I'm in a good place now. She's in a good place, but in a bad place. She doesn't like the way people are running their business. She sees a more efficient way, an easier way. My point is, is that she doesn't have a separation. She respects everyone equally, and she works as a team. And I don't think that corporations, teams, or your potential clients work as a team. They just want a number. I think the biggest problem still is gonna always be making people not a number, right? Speaking to your point, it sounds like your wife is doing an amazing job of um, putting in emotional deposits. So, and I completely forget the writer who wrote about this. It doesn't matter if you're at work or in a relationship, whatever your relationship is, you have, it's a bank account. You have to put in emotional deposits. And then when you need something or you go to ask something that's big or you need respect from people, you withdraw from that deposit. And then so you put true. more in and you take some more out. Yeah. And so um, my husband uh, has done a phenomenal job with his company, I think, because he has worked so hard. He's an associate at his firm. Um, he's been there for about six years and he has worked so hard with his staff on and not just his staff, but the, the company. It's midsize. So I think there are about 25, 30 people somewhere in there. Every single person, he says hello to them. He says, how's it going? He knows that they have children. I, I truly immensely respect that about him because he's taken the time out of his day to have those conversations every single day with his staff and with the with rest his of team. With his team. And I kid you not, they have some of the best office culture. I think their retention rate has completely dropped. They maybe lose one person a year. I believe that. And that person is like, hey, I'm moving, I gotta go. Like it's one of those conversations, not like, I hate it here, I'm getting out of here. What your wife is doing is she is emotionally depositing with the people that she's going to need to expedite her project. It's not manipulation. It is just human capacity for empathy and for understanding and for working with one another you know you and I like we three of us here we don't know each other I'm not about to ask you to go you know help me with something that yep. you're like Agnes I barely know you like that's we haven't deposited that emotional you know or that time we haven't spent that time together employers when we're talking about culture it's not a ping-pong table it's not a beer tap it's not hey we're gonna do a potluck that isn't part of the conversation. Part of the conversation is leadership, mid-management, peers, 
emotionally depositing, giving resources and time to one another, no matter what stage of your career you're in, it's, it's about creating community so we feel like we are together in one organization. And you're gonna get shared values, and with shared values, you're gonna get common goals, and with common goals, you're gonna get efficiency, you're gonna get accelerated work efforts and motivation. So that's all part and parcel of exactly what your wife's doing, so kudos to her. I learned something else in life. I used to, uh, I used to bounce for years. So I did like high-end security, I did security. Doesn't sound like in it's In Toronto, I'm like, yeah. have you kicked me out of a couple of bars? For sure, Probably. guaranteed, guaranteed. Probably. I love kicking people out. Um, I love firing people and I love kicking people out. Um, only for the learning lesson. <laughs> um, but what I did learn was there would be well-established businesses, new businesses, and they would create a staff. They would treat the staff fantastic. That staff wouldn't change for 10 years. Everybody loved their job, everybody worked well. The business boomed. The owner of the business was filthy rich. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying a, a nightclub right now. The minute you took one person out of that team, now you've changed the equation. It would all crumble and fail. Yeah. And it's so important to work as a team, like and, and an established team to carry each other where you're weak, where you're strong. Absolutely, and, and yeah. instead of worrying about what you want, working with each other. And I think a lot of people have forgot to work with each other and they treat themselves in a, as an individual and not as a team. I think there's two kinds of athletes. There's a single athlete, single runner, or, a, or, or, a, yeah. or a soccer team. Yeah. And they all behave differently. But I think if everyone behaved as like a soccer team, they would win yeah. and win yep, everything equally. Yeah. Isn't it fair to say that commercial job sites People just don't care about each other as a team, so to speak. I know that I made a conscious effort whenever I do my residential custom work. I know everybody. I say hello to everybody. I, everybody mm -hmm. says hello to everybody. Everyone always works on. And I, I get tired of being on other people's job sites where I walk in and nobody speaks to each other, man. Nobody says hello. And then also, like last year was the first time that I was actually invited on a, a big commercial six-story wood frame structure and i was there to do some content some social media stuff but the thing was i was paying attention to the crew i was paying attention to that they weren't communicating to each other the, yeah. each trade was with themselves it was almost like high school all over again in the cafeteria and the tables and we all know who the jocks were who they were and all this the artsy and everybody like that nobody communicate with each other and that bothers the hell out of me i know that we want to be all team players and get it all together but that isn't yeah. it the norm on the I jobs would, i would be interested to know so you said it was different trades so i think when you have different organizations working on a larger site you might not get that much communication between them like they're just literally from a different company internally within one organization 100 percent, you, you need that communication but um, i mean each trade we all need each other too right so if you're working one trade on a commercial mm -hmm. site you're doing a task that's involving the next trade that's going to happen either after you yeah. before you it's funny because I've, I've worked on a couple of larger sites where you we, the blame game goes around and it's kind of like one trade's like, well, that wasn't done on time, so I'm not doing my part of the work. I'm or not here, I'm, I'm leaving, yeah, I'm gone. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh. so organization, I mean, and, and this is getting more to the weeds, but organization from um, you know the management who's looking after that project is a huge component of 
getting trades to communicate through one avenue not like they should not be communicating to each other you know what i mean like and again i don't run massive multi-million dollar jobs i just know from my smaller jobs that i've run They're i do the not same though I, just from residential numbers. like i don't want my flooring guy talking to my millwright guy and making their own schedule because that's gonna you know screw up this or screw up that i need to as, as the pm on the job i need everyone to know that they are open to communicate with me because when I go to site and things aren't happening, I need to know where the broken telephone game was played. I don't want to go to site and then all of a sudden have everyone talking to each other. You know, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what you were saying. Yeah, it's, it's, that's not yeah. what I'm, I'm kind of alluding to. Okay, it's, sorry. it's more about how it's just common human personality, just like courtesy, just Okay, so just be, etiquette, yeah. Yeah, just be nice, <laughs> that's all. It's like get on site and just like say hello. Even yeah. though they're a stranger or whatever, say hello. Because I, I know in this industry, a lot of guys are one-man shops or maybe two-man or whatever, right? You you will need a helping hand at some point. Yeah. It doesn't hurt like at the end of the week. It's Friday. You got the most toolboxes to load up and, and kind of pack up and pack for the week. Someone can help you. And yeah. then it just it <laughs> makes for a better environment, right? Absolutely. But I know, and I know you're talking about it. There's different trades on commercial sites, but it doesn't stop us just like just from just being nice to each other. That's bottom line, yeah. man. Yeah. As, as hokey dokey <laughs> as that sounds, I know because I, I, you're on a construction site, it's mostly masculine driven, it's mostly Neanderthal. I Egos. know that whole world. I, I know. <laughs> for I, now. I know. No, it is mostly. It is, yeah, right? For now. So instead, their last little oasis that, oh, you know, no, this is my world. I'm going to be an asshole. I'm going to stay that way yeah, for the next nine yeah. hours you know, times five days a week or whatever. No, you don't have to be. You'll actually get further if you're not. And then you'll actually, you never know, you might meet somebody there who actually can help you with another project or you help them and vice versa. And then all That's of a sudden so, yeah. you start creating a bigger team. I'm not talking about like them doing work behind your back or right, right. Uh, complicating things that way. Can everybody, as cheesy as it is, Rodney King their shit, get along, man. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Is that why can't we just all get along? Well, I think the problem starts with the last person that was in it as a trade, and they said, don't worry, that guy will take care of it. Yeah. And then, you know, you were saying you don't like people communicating each other when you're a project manager. I think it's important that problems are coming up, you're busy and you can't talk to them all the time, even though you're controlling the scheduling, the relationship between them and repairing something undone is important, but it's also important for them to tell you what decisions they've made and to pass it by you. Yeah, I absolutely. like the communication between the trades because when they, if they respect each other, they're going to not leave garbage for each other and yeah. not say, uh, you know, the framers are not going to say, oh, don't worry, the drywall will cover that up. And then uh, the drywall will say, don't worry, the mutter will fix that. Yeah, and then the mutter says, the painter will take care of that. Yeah. When they're working together and they respect each other, they're communicating and now they have respect. It's back to the emotional deposits, yeah. you know, within they, they respect that they are part of But there's of a, a fine trade. line. Yeah. No, yeah. And, and I think that you said if they're just being nice to each other, that is an emotional deposit. Just being nice to someone. Is something it really? Simp- something as simple as huh. being nice to someone. That means I got a lot of bank. Can I, can I ask, um, kind of outside of like, you know, the psychological and, you know, what sure. we think and, you know, our opinion, what are employers looking for? What are your clients looking for for jobs right now? What do you see as the big number? What is the big job? So I mostly do work in like the white collar, so um, light blue 
white collar. <laughs> light blue. Uh, I don't do. I like that. <laughs> I don't do. I actually just stole that from somebody, but I, I loved it from that person. Um, so I don't do a whole heck of a lot of work with skilled trades this minute. Eventually, we will get into that space. Um, I think there's a huge, obviously, need for it. But right now, it is uh, light blue and white collar. And so predominantly, our needs that we see are site supers. Um, site supers are really big. Individuals who know site, individuals who can you know, oversee a crew, technically can see the scheduling, uh, sorry, see the build and then oversee the scheduling and really good communication skills with their PM. There's complaints that we have from some of our clients with individuals who come into the organization who have sort of like, again, culture fit, who have sort of this mentality of, I'm the best, I got this figured out but they won't play ball with the rest I'm of the Portuguese, team. I'm Portuguese, I'm Croatian. <laughs> but they won't play ball with the rest of the team. And so it doesn't matter how much experience you have, if you're not willing to give the communication, give the knowledge to the rest of the team, then you're kind of, not useless to them, but you're kind of useless. Like yeah. <laughs> Kind of like turned a light on for me. Something I always talk about and I always forget to talk about. I always hear about, you know, on the unhappy employee, unhappy supervisors, unhappy managers. And the two big things I always hear is, they never give me the tools that I need to do my job properly. They spend their money on other things like golf games, marketing that doesn't work. Instead of giving the tools to the guys that are doing the job to make it easier, faster, and yeah. more effective. But the biggest problem I always hear is the actual company owner. They aren't listening to their employees yeah. or their managers or their supervisors. And it really starts from them, leading yeah. by example. If they're not paying attention to the business and they're just looking at numbers, they're never going to have a successful business. And you can't. And um, our leadership team here at NextGen, that's something that they truly believe in is any organization. You know, I think this is like the train of thought from Simon Sinek, who, who's a leadership kind of guru, if you will, is you got to start with why. So if you're an owner and your why is financial, long-term it's not sustainable because long-term your employees won't see the same vision that you do. But if you have a reason, like a really, I always call it the holistic reason, next gen is our reason is we need to, we want to eliminate the shortages and then stop it from ever happening again. Like the, our why is because we believe in it. Our why is, is because we want to help. We believe in helping an industry that's truthfully given me the position and the ability to do what I am doing today, which I never thought I'd be able to do. That's our why. And, and to me, it's not finite. I don't have a number on it. It's something that people wholeheartedly can believe in and get behind. You have those employers or those owners that are just thinking money, 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 come through the door. It's not a long-term approach because your people aren't gonna follow that to the same degree. They're not gonna back it with the same passion and enthusiasm yep. and drive that you want out of an organization. Something funny, I hope I can make sense of it. So one of my friends works for a, a very large firm, several divisions of a company, kind of makes it seem like they have, you know, challengers or people, you know, that the industry's full of other companies challenging each other for the, for the business. Anyways, they created a division to lose money. Right. That was what the division was designed for. Nobody talks about it. I won't say the name. The company was designed to fail. 
So the companies that were already making money and they were just getting by, they're doing the right thing. But the company that was designed to lose the money gave the employees and so they gave them the jobs, they gave them the tools, they gave them the no micromanaging, they just let them do what they wanted because they wanted failure. They were designing it for failure to have a write-off. That company now is a million, like million, million dollar company, and that's not even their intentions. Their intentions were to lose money on purpose, and now they're successful. But now that they're successful, that company now is carrying the rest of the divisions. Right. Now they're trying to save money and the company's sinking. So what I'm trying to lead at is, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. when you make it about money, you fail. So Sometimes funny. when you make the tools and the right people and the right attitude, you have success. Yeah, and you know, it, it's so funny because we we're, we were talking about community and building all this emotional deposit. Well, you do that with family. So you look at an organization like your family unit, and whether you have a good one or a bad one, you know, like I have a bad decent one. one. I have a decent <laughs> one. And so I look at it and I'm like, we've all helped each other and we've all put these deposits in and we've all, you know, kind of rallied around a common cause, which is the family. And you look at an organization and it's, you know, again, I think I read this in a book somewhere and I was like, oh my God, that's just so eye-opening. To your point, companies, when you go to save money and you lay off people, like, would you do that to your own family? Would you go into your house and say, hey dad, I got to cut costs Right? Like, <laughs> I mean, and, and you my know father what? I wouldn't mind. I, I, I've been I'd entertain for a while. it. I'd entertain it. I'm sorry, but I might entertain that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Come like, into my <laughs> office, close the door, please. And you, you know close what? The door. You, you, you just hit something really home. I'm very European. In my family, it's okay to live in the same house three or four generations. Yeah. The grandparents owned the first floor. The second floor was my mom and dad. Yeah, the yeah. third floor was me. The fourth floor was my brother. You know, and they all live in one building. They don't communicate, but they all <laughs> live in one building together. So you're used to it. You know what I'm talking but about. But there's then. success there. And there's family, there's structure. And yeah. you're growing together. And I see that in cultures, you know, and it's unfortunate that people from this country, I'm from this country, I was born here, but I see people not Hatched. working with each other, and I see cultures <laughs> or relation, like, like countries or ethnic groups, they stick together and they, su they succeed together. Absolutely, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I think we can learn something from that. Like, yep. Working yep. together, not against each other, right? No, and, and that's what I was talking about with these, you know, like layoffs, like, oh, we need the profits. And it's like, well, why didn't, so there's a great, uh, there's a company that I have never actually done work with, but I really appreciate their, I think he's the general manager, operations VP. Anyways, he always thinks in terms of we are a unit. Right, and we're talking about they are an international company. He looks after all Canadian operations. He's like, nope, we are a unit. And so they have multiple divisions. And his idea or ideal with this company is if one of our divisions goes down, so they run a fairly lean team and these guys are experienced, they are great and they run also a really good culture. And part of it is we're gonna train them in all three divisions because if one goes down, we're not laying off. Yeah. We are moving mm -hmm. them into the other divisions because we've given them that capacity and that knowledge. And then when that one goes back up, we move them back. They've saved face with their employees and with their name and their reputation because if you get into this particular company, they're not laying you off. I mean, you could still fired but they're not laying you off and you know we look at job security and everyone's like oh i got a really secure job no you don't 
you got somebody who's holding a paycheck to you, right? Like a gun to your head. So, and that's why I'm always like, go entrepreneurs, because <laughs> you work as hard as you want, you make money, and it's really tough up front, but I am the master of this domain here, right? Like I am looking after my own, I have the, you know, employees as well, and that's great, but you're, you're looking for an organization that understands that you are not just a number. You're looking for an organization that understands that the end vision, the end goal, the end culture is that we are all going to succeed together. And I think if you find those organizations, you build more of that, you're going to get more people in construction, period, because they're going to be like, not only is it not seasonal and not sporadic work and not low paying, you're going to see how profitable and how fulfilling of a job in general it is, right? Sounds like construction. Yeah. You know, you yeah. go in as a framer and then you're drywalling because there's no more framing work and then yeah. there's no more framing work, you're a drywaller and then you're there's no more drywall work. But now it's also you're challenging. a painter. You're learning so much along the way, right? Well, you for me it's always been whatever I've had to learn because I can't get the people I need in place. It's become understanding each trade. And yeah. once I got to understand each trade, I was able to manage those trades and then understand them. Yeah. Not everyone wants to do that though. That's the problem. So where is next gen going now? Where are you, because obviously you have a five, 10, maybe even 15 year plan. Yes, we're getting overwhelmed with the support and just keep on coming people, like this is awesome. This building show, as I just mentioned to you, Informa Canada, big shout out there. Huge uh, shout out The to building Informa. show has been just Honestly, like I gotta stop. I gotta start singing my song because it, it was super emotional to have this <laughs> massive organization. Now it's you stuck can sing anytime you want. <laughs> it's stuck in my head yeah. now. Um, it's it's it was very emotional because of all the hard work we were putting into this, and and again all the funding that we've been putting into this. And you know when you're an entrepreneur, you gotta pound that pavement, knock on those yep. doors. You gotta just keep going until somebody takes notice. And I got a, a call from Frank. Um, he was on your show, Frank Scalalisi, who said, hey, like we run this show and, it, and I think he said, like we run the building show and you know, we've been kind of talking to a couple of recruitment agencies, but I, I, I kind of really like what you're doing. Can you come into the office? And I swear to God, I jumped in the cab and I was down there so fast. I'm like, what do you need? Cause I knew what the building show was. I'm like, what do you need from me? What are we gonna do? And that was honestly our first foot in the door. Since then, we have been talking to government. We have been talking to uh, Employment Ontario who wants to do something with us. Just at the building show alone, and also in the last couple of months, we've had multiple universities and colleges reach out to us. Nice. Uh, COCA got a hold of us, um, and, and Ian Cunningham and John Mullenhauer from TCA have just been so instrumental in getting us in front of all the associations in Ontario. So we had the privilege to present. It was supposed to be a 15 minute presentation, but the conversation went for like an hour. That was a good conversation. It was awesome. And we've been getting phone calls and business cards and people just saying, we get it. Understanding that this is not only a problem, this is an, like an epidemic in our industry. What do you need from us to continue this? And and so, you know, I gotta sing, Christine. <laughs> you know, I get super emotional because this this has been our life. For I like a year. it. I, I smile every time. I hope I don't sing that song out loud. It's stuck. It's, it's stuck. It's stuck. And um, so now what we are doing is so our program is very much catered towards the uh, <laughs> light blue, white collar. Um, we work with post secondary institutions. We take their students and we screen and qualify the students to make sure that they are the quality we want in the program. Our members are 
coming to us and we have a subscription model, you sign up, you need one, two, three, 10, 15 juniors. I don't care how much, we will help you. We place those individuals into your firm. It's for that one-time subscription fee. And we place them across Canada, by the way. But we don't just leave them. We don't believe in that, that sink or swim mentality. We don't believe in that. We will work with them for one year on leadership training. We will work with them for one year and give them a one-on-one -on -one coach that comes from the industry. That gives them a safe space to have conversations around the difficulties of transitioning from post-secondary into the, the construction space. We teach them a lot of communication skills. We teach them a lot about their own fears and biases and, and basically getting them past that hump their first year. Uh, and the one-on-one -on -one coaches go face-to-face -face with them or they're just, you know, phone calls or emails away. Like they, they have a resource to vent to talk to, to learn from. We give them a mentor. It's been working really well. I have a couple of success stories that we're really proud of. The one thing that we're I love streaming, stories. Yeah, yeah, actually you guys, he's not here today and his name's Syed and huge shout out to Syed. He was one it's of our- No, not was, really, not no, really. He was- <laughs> It's a shout out. Shout he, out, okay. Honestly guys, like, Oh, I'm getting emotional again. He was one of our first graduates from the Next Gen program, and he's currently in the leadership classes. And yesterday he came and he's like, Agnes, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I've been working at this company for, he's working at Amico Affiliates, which is one of our clients. They are a very large general contractor, design build out of Windsor, their head office. I've, I've seen wow. them through their Cambridge office, their Vaughn office. I've probably employed close to 40 people in that office. Pretty impressive. Yeah, we work on JVs together. I come and consult with them and help them out. They've been instrumental in getting Next Gen off the ground as well because they believe in this. So Syed comes to me and he's just like, I'm working on the LRT, the JV. He's like, this is my dream job. Wow. And then he's just started going off about like, Next Gen, how do I help you? Like, if I have free time, what do I do? Like, how do I get back to the students? And it clicked. And I was like, you know what? We can get some amazing students through the program have them graduate, have them Share work in story. the field, and then they can become the coaches. And that peer relationship, yeah. And Motivation. so that's our next step is, is I wanna run a mentorship program. It's gonna be for free. So this whole program is free to students. It's always been free to students. It's free to any juniors who wanna sign up. It is industry who pays for this. So as an employer, it's very minimal cost. I will say that again, very minimal cost. We've made it extremely affordable. Is it minimal cost? It's very minimum <laughs> cost. We made this incredibly affordable. We wanted this to be an ROI. And then at the same time, the awareness campaigns, we actually take some of the funding that comes from industry, comes from associations. And we do, and, and we are continuing to do marketing campaigns. And our ideal situation is for marketing campaigns. So we're already doing the post-secondary marketing campaign, but they've already made up their mind. They're in post-secondary. They've already chosen a career path, right? So there's only certain amount of marketing you can do to them to continue them in construction. Industry marketing campaigns. Remember we were talking about changing mentalities. We need to change the mentality of the industry to start looking at new options for their candidate pool, not pulling from the same one that by the way, will continue to deplete. 250,000 people are set to retire in construction. Uh, that was just confirmed again by the Ministry of Labor downstairs. That's 2020. That's I'm within the next have like a three lot years. Of work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then on top of it, you know, we want to run out campaigns to high school. High schools need to get involved. They need to know that this is a viable career option. 
and, and I'm talking about women, I'm talking, girls need to know that this is a safe space for them as well. So we want to run high school specific campaigns and we actually have technology partners that are 100% on board with bringing out their toys. You know what I mean? Like bringing them out to these presentations and having students interact, like not just a couple of old fogies up at the top talking about, you know, like even, I, they wouldn't even associate with me, right? I'm 32, I'm not that old, hopefully not, oh, please. <laughs> they're not gonna associate with me because they're like 17, they're like, so old. What? They think what? that. Really? Yes. They're like, you're so old. So they're, you know, what if we brought... Just beat them up. <laughs> your answer for everything, eh? <laughs> so why not bring younger individuals who just broke into that space, who just came into that space and say, hey, like, I was in your seat five years ago, yeah. not I was in your seat 15, 20 years ago, right? So the other campaign that we want to run is to elementary schools and public, and that is a completely different rollout. We need to change parents' mentalities about having their oh, kids for in the sure. trades. But they're too busy. Wow, that's pretty they cool. They have no time for their children anymore. You have to change the parents' mentality. Yes, You have to change sure. the pub public stigma around construction in general. I'll tell you a quick story, because I had a kid. I call him a kid, because he was uh, his third year. Uh, construction management okay. okay and he wanted to found me on social media he wanted to get on my job site he wanted to learn right so i was like great fine whatever come and check it out and we didn't really talk about employment or i go let me see how you do right whatever so he came out the three days that he was there that he survived <laughs> he was more focused on asking all the other trades what to do or what he should do or what he considered do but he first started the conversation by saying that he wanted to be a gc you want to get to that point, right? But yeah. I could see it in his eyes, like you talk about body language. He was interested in my job right then and there, that day, right? And yeah. that made no sense. But by the, the three days, he kept on making excuses for not coming in and all this other crap and stuff like that. But then I had some conversations with him. His dad was in the industry, so he came from a dad that was working as a late, I think a mason or something like that. And his dad clearly told him, I don't want this job for you. Yeah. I want you to have a much better job that'll pay better, that won't be hard on your body. So I get that fight that these millennials, these younger guys, are being told by their parents when Absolutely. I do point their yeah. finger. And I know Simon hasn't really pointed the fingers of the parents. He's pointed whatever. That's a whole other argument. But the thing is that they're trying to do better than their parents. That's not even part of the equation. You shouldn't be factoring that in, man. Just figure out what your passion is, yeah. then go yeah. that route. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure from parents to you know get into an office job or get into be secure a doctor or be yeah. this or you know and i sit there and i think if you knew what you wanted to do and and that conversation didn't come from your parents or that pressure how much more happier would we be i'm actually the poster child for this conversation i told you my father's a contractor did not want me to get into trades did not want my brother my mother was the wife of a contractor and was just like nah like this what isn't was the reasoning what was it, it was that reasoning he so wanted my father better. is very hands-on and never so he, home. he yeah he was never home which is actually yes and no but regardless he was very busy and so i was actually raised by my father my mom was the one who wasn't home but she, remember i told you she did opera my mom was a yep. touring yep. opera singer so she was like never home <laughs> uh, she was in europe all the time you know my father raised me you could see how hard he was working and he he eventually shut down his entire business we lived in the east coast moved to Ontario, started his new life here in Ontario with his family. And when we, when my brother and I, my brother's 13 months older than me, so we have all the same friends, all the same peers. When we were moving into high school, 
So, you know, here you have feeder school and they go to high school. My parents gave me the option, do you want to go to a Catholic school or do you want to go to a public school? And that was that option. And my brother and I, hands up, were like public school because the school that just opened up was a technology school. And my brother and I like to work with our hands. My dad always had us, you know, working on the tools and stuff. And we're just like, that would be so much fun. So we had one of the biggest shop programs in Ontario. It was also like full of AI and they did a ton of engineering in there. So for four years, I did manufacturing technology in high school. And my brother did engineering, CAD, all that stuff, which is probably why he turned out to be, he's an aerospace engineer. He's literally a rocket scientist. Um, (laughs) Working for NASA. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And I am, you know, getting into this construction space. When I went to university or I was going into university, I remember coming back to my parents and I had gotten an apprenticeship to do underwater welding. What? What the? There was um, there was like scouts who came to our school and Mr. Hobbins, I remember him. He was like such an advocate for me because I was one of two girls in the four years of this shop program. And he's like, Agnes, like you can make management in like five years. Like do this, do this, do this. And he was pushing, pushing. And so I went home. More excited to my than mom. you. Oh well, I was. I you know I'm a kid. I don't know what's going on. So I went home and I'm like, Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Like. I got this opportunity and you know, I know you wanted me to go to university, but can you just buy me some scuba gear? (laughs) (laughs) Did not go over well. Oh, my mom, no, don't. Oh, by the way, along with that scuba gear, I'm gonna need some welding gear. Yeah, no, I had that. (laughs) Oh, you already Um, had that? But it was, uh, it was, it was intense conversation and, and they said no. As they would. As they would. And so my mom said, you know what? If you can't get into university, we'll consider something else for you. But like no daughter of mine is going to do that. Like this isn't happening. It was a lot of (laughs) at home pressure. And so they sent my brother off to an aerospace program. I I was like, well, I'll be a doctor. I had okay grades. And I was like, I'll be a doctor. Like that can't be that hard. Turns out I pass out with a sight of blood. So to this day, I get squidgy and like you, you I can talk that about it now because I'm prepared but like if someone showed me a picture of something that happened Mike almost took off his finger and my husband almost took off his finger doing a reno in our house it was awful and he's like oh my god there's blood everywhere and I think from behind the door I was throwing band-aids at him like, I, I don't want to look useless. at it I don't want to look gonna... at it so yeah they said no and so I ended up in a psychology I ended up going to university for five years I have a degree in psychology turned out I was okay at it. I went back to work for a construction company full time and didn't tell my parents. That's how much I just wanted to be back in the industry. And so I worked for a larger developer. Um, I worked as admin. They found out that I had some skill sets, you know, outside of admin. And then I remember I, I kind of saw, so we were working on the architecturals for the Four Seasons, the one in Yorkville. And it kept coming by and I'm like, this is an opportunity, this is an opportunity, like I can jump on this. And I applied to the design firm that was managing one of the larger units, like it's a custom unit, like it was a residence hotel and I got the job and that was the start of me like actually being in it. So it, to this day, I feel like my parents still don't know that I did that. Like it's been very behind their back, but you know, it's, and now here we are and I work for, you know, I work as next gen doing construction recruitment, kind of human resource practices. So was Jen your middle name? 
<laughs> no, no, next generation. So I know, like, just joking. It's like I took construction and psychology because I did like psychology and I smooshed them together and created what works for me. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, yeah. it's something amazing. It's a helpline, really. You know, this whole time I've been thinking about what you said earlier. You know, I got a chance to meet Frank. You He's know, awesome. <laughs> when you take someone from a good place with a job that they enjoy, they're able to help other people. Yeah. And then that continues to be good energy and a snowball effect. Yeah. And then that snowball leads into other things. And then you have a whole bunch of great people in a place that they want to be. And yeah. they're enjoying life. They're not miserable. And then they get to help people. I loved it. Like it's, it's stuck with me since you said it. it. Takes people like Frank or yourself or, you know, we're doing it in a different way to just change people's lives, to make it more enjoyable, you know, just to make life a better place. I got a little story for people that are looking to get a job. When I was growing up, you know, 35 years ago, it was really hard to get a job. No yeah. one trusted people. Yeah. No one helped people. You had to like hide around glass windows and pick up information and you know, you had to steal information from people, you know. Yeah. No one was just giving it away. One thing I did was I would work for free. Or I'd say, hey, pay me ten bucks an hour, tell me what I'm worth. And that always led to people saying, you know what, you're so good, I'm just gonna sub work to you. If you bring the right attitude to the table, you're gonna get amazing results. Yeah. You can't just expect something to land in your lap. You can't just expect you yeah. to find a happy place for them. At the end of the day, people are gonna have to find that happy place and they're gonna have to work for it. Nothing comes easy and nothing's for free. It's life. I yeah. mean, life is in general, you have to work at it, right? Like, oh, I'm in a relationship. You gotta work at that. You know, tell, I'm at work. Tell that to some people. They don't realize it. I they know. never got that memo. Well, you know, it's they not a memo, never it's a reality got that check, memo. right? I, I know you never charged me 85 bucks or 160 bucks for therapy right now, <laughs> but I, what, I, what I did realize, and, I, and it comes up all the time for me is- I can, Don't worry, I can cut I, you an invoice, it's all good. <laughs> I, 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 I realized that even me, I'm working so hard to try to make everyone else's life easier and happy. I forgot about the most important person at home for me. Being a contractor, I'm never home. And then I have a partner that's amazing and I forget about them and then the first people that suffer. You know, you need to find a happy place and you need to really respect the people around you. You can't, it's not about you. It's about a lot of people around you and that will create that energy to push and keep growing, right? You talk about people who work all the time in, in, in some industries, in, in specifically in construction, we see people who work a tremendous amount of overtime. And it's so funny because at the leadership level, it's like, take a break. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's not that you can't, it's you've made the choice not to. And if you can't look after yourself as a leader, you cannot lead those underneath you. So look after yourself because if you fall sick, if you get hit by a bus or whatever the case is, your team cannot go on. Exactly to what you said. And having that conversation with your team, like I think Mike told me the story about a gentleman who had an open door policy, but he was so swamped with work and everyone kept, because he was a very uh, personable individual, people would come to his office and constantly interrupt him. I'm like, why wouldn't you just, if you had that emotional <laughs> deposit with your staff, why wouldn't you just have that conversation and say, hey staff, look, I'm really swamped, I'm overwhelmed, I have a little bit of anxiety right now, I'm gonna close my door. 
and I'm gonna leave it closed, but I will open it for when I want you to come see me. Is that okay? I just need that to be okay so I can do my work. Sometimes we just get so stuck in the mindset that we have to go, 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 that we forget we need to take care of ourselves. We forget that we need to go on vacation. We forget that we need to de-stress and detox so we can live you know work to live or live to work i'm actually a huge culprit of it so i feel like i'm totally being a hypocrite i work depends on which day all of the, the week. time i take uh, my work with me on my holidays but i love my work i will say that <laughs> i love my work and, and that you know being what? said you that have being some, said oh, sorry. <laughs> okay so that's my hint no so <laughs> that, okay so that being said so once again all the contact information Okay, so you can reach us on www.nextgenprofessional.com. If you are a student, you can reach us on those sign-up forms that the buttons are all over our page. If you are looking to become a member and, you know, have us uh, work with your junior team or uh, get juniors from us that are fully trained, uh, you can go www.nextgenprofessional.com slash join us. Join us. Join us. Okay. Yeah, I think that's it. Email. Um, email. I'm Agnes, A-G-N-E-S, at nextgenprofessional.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, and that's just under Agnes Watkinson. My last name's W-A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N, as well as Instagram, and we are Next Gen Jobs. But you have a Next Gen page on LinkedIn as well, too. Yeah, we have a Next Gen. Yep, but, but they're connected, so if you find you, then you'll find yeah, Next Gen and, and vice versa. Right? Is together, there a yeah. company phone number? Because I find that 50% of people aren't on yeah. the inner web it's my cell phone 416-554-1241 if you are a junior i highly suggest going to the sign up page just because i will send you there but if you are you know looking to actively get involved with this initiative and this movement then you are more than welcome to call me just please 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 tell me who you are and why you're calling because I, I if i'm giving out my phone number right now yeah, i just need sure. to make sure I, I know why right okay. <laughs> i got an mo he knows no. i usually have like two questions no, I'm sorry, man. You got to wrap it up. <laughs> oh, no. I got to be at Renault Run in like okay. 10 minutes, man. That's, right. I, that's why I'm sorry. So I can't. Thank you again, Agnes. Oh, Thank no you worries. very Thank much, you. right? Thank so, you. and I, I know that this is a valuable information out there, and we have to get it out there. So hopefully, we can help out what we can. Uh, we really appreciate this time. Yes. I know you got to get back to the show. Everyone, check out the website. Contact yeah, her. Please. Email. And uh, this has been fun. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Really, really appreciate it. There he goes. He's got to get out of here now. <laughs> Thank you again, Agnes. Get us out of here, Carlito. <laughs> A boom, boom. 416 TO baby <laughs> at the building show <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs>